Well, good morning. Uh, thanks for joining us here for Crosspoint Fellowship Online. We are um, happy to be with you, bringing worship to your home this morning, and glad that you decided to join us. Uh, we hope you share this video, by the way, with people who maybe weren't able to make it this morning or uh, somehow um, missed it or maybe don't know anything about Crosspoint. And this is a good opportunity for you to invite them to to church, virtually speaking, um, and so so we encourage you to, to share this video out with people, um, especially after the video is done. Just go ahead and share it with with everyone that you know on Facebook. Um, if you're watching us on uh, YouTube, uh, do the same. Uh, we want people to be able to find these broadcasts. So um, we are uh, in the middle of our series. We're talking about following Jesus and, and what it means to be a disciple of His and be different and changed uh, this morning. And so uh, we're going to sing a couple songs that kind of. Um, get us excited about learning more about that, and then we're going to turn it over to Paul after we sing a couple songs. So let's sing and worship God together.
study what you have to say to us uh, this morning, Lord. I pray that those words would continue to ring true, that you take us to the end of ourselves, to the to the edge, uh, the precipice of something great. Um, God, we want to be different um, than the world around us, and we want to, to be that way, to be different so that we can change it, so we can help be the change that the world needs to see. Lord, I pray, Lord, as we open up your word now and listen to the message, Lord, that we'd be challenged, um, that we'd be that we look inside of ourselves and see how uh, the word um, might speak to us and might challenge us this morning and be honest with ourselves about what we need to change. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, good morning. We're so glad that you've joined us this morning. We are now in week three of our series, Take Up Your Cross. Today we're looking at how we can be a difference maker. Now the purpose of this series, if it hasn't already been clearly stated, is to explore one, how to follow Jesus, but two, how we can be more like Jesus. And to do that, we need to explore who Jesus was. And if we do that, we we see that Jesus was a difference maker. He changed lives. He constantly took less and gave more. He took the blind and he gave them back their sight. He took the lame and he gave them back their ability to walk. He took death and he gave life. Everywhere Jesus went, he took less than what was wanted and gave more than people could possibly imagine. Christ was and still is the epitome of a difference maker. And so today I'm here to tell you that we should be difference makers as well. Now we're going to be in Colossians 3. We're looking at verses 12 through 17, and it says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, 
to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So first and foremost, let's explore a little bit about what we have here. Well, we're reading a small part of a letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians, the church in Colossus. Now, these were a group of early believers, just like all the other early church groups, who were new to following the teachings of Jesus. And so Paul writes this letter to kind of correct and teach and, and, and get people's lives on the right track, helping them to align the way they were living with Jesus's teachings. And what Colossians 3, 12 through 17 ends up being is a call to virtue. It's a call to virtue, a call to be difference makers, a call to live your life in a way that goes against the culture. That call has not changed since this letter was written. As I like to think of it, these are instructions on how to be a difference maker. Now, Paul starts out with what I like to call the core five. The core five, and the core five are this, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Those five things. If we can just have those five things, we are well on our way to being a difference maker in the world around us. If we can just exhibit those five things in the way that we live our lives, we are going to change the lives of people that we come across. And we're gonna be able to make a difference in our world, in our workplaces, at home, everywhere we go. So first and foremost, let's look at compassion. We're going to look at compassion. To be compassionate means that we show mercy on others. If we got down into the literal meaning of what's being said here, it's really to have pity on one another. Now, we don't like that word. The minute we hear pity, we kind of cringe a little bit because we don't want anybody to pity us. Don't pity me. It's a pride thing. Pity has this connotation of being something negative, but we need to change our mindsets and our view of that word because it's actually not that at all. You see, what pity really is, is honoring someone's struggle. It's not belittling them. It's not belittling a person in any way. And if someone is pitying you, you are not being belittled either. They are simply honoring your struggle putting themselves in your shoes, having empathy for your situation and understanding that whatever you're going through, whatever the situation is, you are in the midst of tremendous difficulty. And so pity is a good thing. And that's really what compassion is. Being able to pity one another, being able to pity one another shows that we have a Christ-like heart. And in the end, when we pray to Christ, when we want him to intercede on our behalf, to work in our lives in any certain situation, really what we're asking Christ to do is have pity on us, to see our situation and to feel for us what we are feeling and to help us move beyond that. Pity isn't a slight, but sorrow at the misfortune that you are experiencing. So I want you to understand, when somebody has pity for you or pity on you or is pitying you, they're simply saying, you're a person I love. I have sorrow that you're dealing with what you're currently dealing with. I can only imagine what it would be like if I was in your shoes. And this is a characteristic that we as Christians have to have. Really, all people need to have this. But as Christians, this is, 
something that is vital to us being like Christ. See, because Christ was able to do this all the time. When he came across the adulterous woman that the, the, the Sanhedrin and the, and the church leadership wanted to stone at that time, what was he able to do? He was able to put himself in her shoes and he drew the line in the sand and he said, you without sin, step up, cast the first stone. And, and when he came to Lazarus' sisters and they were just completely distraught because Lazarus had passed, Lazarus, a dear friend of Jesus, what was he able to do? He was able to pity them and put himself in their shoes and have compassion. And eventually, he gave Lazarus life back. Because Jesus wasn't only compassionate, he was kind. We also need to have kindness. Kindness. Now, kindness, the best definition I found for this as I was studying this week, and it's something that really stuck with me, is this. Kindness is benevolence in action. Kindness is benevolence in action. You see, what it is, it's the proper response to compassion. Compassion is what allows us to feel for others, to see a need. But just seeing a need isn't quite enough. We have to be kind as well because kindness is what allows us to come behind our compassion and actually start to make that difference and to make that change, to see, hey, there's a homeless person on the side of the road who's struggling right now and hungry. So that's compassion. Now kindness says, I'll swing through the drive through really quick and bring him some food. It's putting our actions behind our emotions. If compassion is the ability to recognize the need, then again, kindness is addressing the recognized need. It means that we not only open our eyes to what's happening around us, but we get off our hindquarters and actually do something about it. Proverbs 21, 21 says, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness and honor. See, what we put into this world is what we get out of it. Scripture would teach us that God makes it that way. The next thing we need, part of the core five, it's number three, is humility. Now, humility is seeing yourself in the right light as it comes to your relationship with God. Humility is seeing yourself in the right light and the right standing in the hierarchy in your relationship with God, meaning that God's first and you are second. There's a huge campaign out right now. It's been going on for years called I Am Second, and it's a lot of celebrities who are Christians who talk about how they have chosen to make themselves second to what God wants from them. That's something we're all supposed to do. That is humility. Humility is what allows us to fall into Jesus' teaching or to follow Jesus' teaching that we should serve rather than be served. That we should serve rather than be served. Long story short, Humility is letting God determine what it is that you deserve rather than you telling him what it is that you're supposed to get. See Job. See Job. Next is meekness. Now, meekness is a lot like humility, but it has to do with our relationships with other people. Meekness is really the same thing as humility, but it's seeing ourselves in the proper light and the proper standing of our relationships with other people. And you see, as Christians, 
we're supposed to be second in everything that we do, not just in our relationship with Jesus, not in our relationship with God, not in our following of the Holy Spirit, not just in those things, but in our relationship with the people that we come across on a daily basis. We're supposed to put ourselves second. Here's an excellent rule to live by. Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, in humility and meekness, count others more significant than yourselves. You know, it wasn't a fun lesson for me to learn, uh, but I have been taught by people far wiser than me that it is always best to let others speak of your greatness. This may shock a lot of you, but I don't really have a problem with self-love. Um, I think pretty highly of myself most days, and I think in a lot of ways that that's a gift because I see a lot of people struggle with self-confidence, and, and, and that's not what God wants from us, right? God also doesn't want for us to walk around with a huge head on our shoulders boasting about how great we are and all the cool things that we can do. And in my younger years, um, you would have been very likely to hear me speak um, in those terms and and actually mean it. I thought I was pretty cool. Um, I've kind of understood where I stand in the big scheme of things now, and God helped me learn that. And like I said, other people helped me learn that. But the one thing I know is this, the meek rarely embarrass themselves. The meek rarely embarrass themselves. The meek rarely find themselves in situations where they say something they shouldn't. The meek rarely find themselves boasting. The meek rarely find themselves um, adding a little extra to the story to make them look better, so to speak. So just overall as a Christian, it's better for us to live our lives as much like Jesus as we possibly can and let others sing our praises if they will. And be okay with the fact that maybe our praises never get sung. But meekness is extremely important. And the final thing is this, patience. And I feel like this is probably the one that's hardest for all of us. We, people can talk about this all the time. We live in a culture that teaches us not to be patient. We can get almost anything in the world sent to us with two-day shipping thanks to Amazon. Right? There, I mean, there's just, we can get food instantly through a drive through We're full of instant gratification. You can post something online that you think is funny in your social media and get likes and hearts and all this other stuff. And so we're kind of been conditioned to get this instant gratification, but patience is something that we have to have as, as a Christian to be a, to be a difference maker. We have to be patient and patience is simply this being a steady force, being a steady force in the world that you live. Never being too high, never getting too low. When I think about this, I think about Jesus in the midst of the storm, right? When he and the disciples are going to the other side of of the body of water that they were discipling on, he said, hey, we're going to go to the other side, and there's this major storm, and Jesus is sleeping in the hole, and he's just tired, and so he's resting, and his disciples come down and like, Jesus, don't you even care that we're about to die? And Jesus is like, hey, stop it, storm, and everything calms down. He's never too high, never too low. And we're, we're supposed to be that exact same way. Constant, unaffected by circumstance. Showing these virtues all throughout our life, regardless of what's being thrown our way. And then after the core five, which we just discussed, Paul comes in with these two um, instructions for what I would like to say, having mature relationships, which we have to be able to do in order to make a difference in our world. And these two things are 
absolutely vital. I know I use that word a lot, but these are so important. These are so, so important. The first is this, bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. You see, Paul is logical, and he understands that we don't live in one big happy group hug. Like he understands that things aren't always harmonious and we're not running around the church building holding hands and skipping and singing worship songs. I'd be okay if we did that, but it just doesn't happen a lot. He understands that people have different beliefs and thoughts and personalities and that those different beliefs and thoughts and personalities don't always mesh. They just don't always mesh. He also understands that we weren't produced in a cookie cutter. We're just not all the same. And we don't fit perfectly together. And you know what? At times, we're going to get on each other's nerves and we're going to push each other's buttons and we're going to offend one another. And we're going to push each other to each other's breaking points and sometimes past those breaking points. And Paul and his infant infinite wisdom tells one of these early church groups, you know what you need to do in those situations? Bear with one another. Put up with them. Understand that things aren't always going to be perfect. Understand you're not always going to see eye to eye. Understand that you're different. We are going to come across people every single day, and this is not news to you, that we just don't see eye to eye with, that we maybe don't mesh with 100%, that our personalities kind of clash a little bit. I may be that person for you. I'm not too crazy to know that that could be it. Maybe right now you're sitting at home thinking, yeah, it's you, Pastor, and if that's me, I'm sorry. But we don't always mesh well. And that doesn't make us weird, and that doesn't make us wrong, and that doesn't make us hate one another, and that doesn't mean that we can't be part of the same church family. It just means that we need to bear with one another. That's where patience comes in. We're that constant force, no matter what's being thrown our way. And it also shows humility and meekness and kindness and compassion. So we need to understand that that's just going to be part of life. And we have to bear with one another with the virtues that I just spoke of. That I just spoke of. And then Paul goes on to say one more thing. And, And you know what? When somebody does push you past that breaking point, you need to forgive others. You need to forgive others. When they've done this, you need to forgive them. Just as what? Jesus has forgiven you. Just as God has forgiven you, you need to forgive other people. It's a really simple instruction. And when we think of it in that light, the decision on whether or not to forgive honestly becomes much easier. Because which one of us deserves to be forgiven by God for any one of our countless sins. So we need to not only bear with one another and and put up with one another when we don't always see eye to eye, but when somebody pushes us past that breaking point, when somebody offends us or wounds us, we need to be ready to forgive. We need to be ready to forgive. And I'm not saying that we just have to forgive without an apology or without some sort of recognition of wrong. But you know what? That would even be okay too. All that does is show your maturity as a person. All that does is show your maturity as a believer. I want you to think about 
what Jesus said when he was dying on the cross, when he was being murdered, after he was beaten and spit upon and the crowds called for his death and his body was broken and he was nailed to a cross and he had a thorn of crowns placed on his head and they mocked him endlessly. Did he say, God, if anybody apologizes, forgive them? No. He said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And here's the thing. I think that Jesus would forgive them even if they had a clue of what they were doing. And I know that's kind of shocking, but I just think that that matches up so well with Jesus' character. And the reason I say that is because sometimes we look at people when they have hurt us, when they've wronged us, and we say, man, they know exactly what they did to me. And maybe they did. But that doesn't mean that we can't be people that are forgiving and loving in our world. As verse 15 explains, our focus needs to be on loving the world and making peace. See, when we clothe ourselves in love, all of the rest of everything really tends to fall into place. It would be really cool if we could just sprinkle love on a puzzle, throw it in the air, and it would land all together. But really, that's kind of the image that Paul is, is getting the peop- wanting the people to see and understand. If you clothe yourself in love, if you become love first, remember, what are the two most important commandments? I'm going to say this probably every sermon for the rest of my life because it's that important. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we can do these two things, everything else falls into place. If we can just love the world around us, being a difference maker becomes so much more easy. And when we love one another, peace is just a natural consequence of that love. Peace is just a, a natural thing flowing out of us. When our, when our focus is to love others first, regardless of what may have been done to us. When our focus is to love others first, even when we're having to bear with the things that are just rubbing us the wrong way. You see, these two things are the reason that Jesus came to the earth. To love the world and to bring it peace. To love the world and to bring it peace. Because Jesus is the ultimate difference maker. And if we're to be followers of Jesus, if we are to be the believers that I think we all want to be, simply floating through this life is not what's been called for us to do. We have been called to be difference makers. We have been charged to be difference makers. It's exactly what he did when he called his early disciples to become fishers of men. It's exactly what he did when he commissioned them to go into the entire world to spread the gospel, is to be a difference maker. I don't know about you, but I do know about me, and I know that I want my life to make a difference. I don't want this time here on earth to just be a time here on earth. I would enjoy at least for a few years after I die, for people to remember me and to do so fondly. 
And I know I'm just one grain of sand among all the other grains of sand throughout history. But if just one person could look back on my life and remember it fondly because of something positive I did for them, because of a way that I loved them, because of a way that I bared with them, because of a way that I forgave them, if, if just one person could do that, that would be fantastic. And hopefully you're sitting at home right now thinking, Man, I really want my life to make a difference as well. I really want my life to have served a purpose. That's one of the biggest struggles that young people face. I remember after I graduated college, my, I kind of had everything regimented up to that point. I knew everything that was going to happen. And then when I graduated college, I had no idea what to do. What am I supposed to do with my life now? I want to have this big purpose. I want to make this big difference. I I, want to make an impact. I want my life to mean something, but I have no idea what to do. What if we could teach kids that your purpose is to love people? Your purpose is to love people, to be a peacemaker, to try to be a difference maker, to put others before yourself. And you know what? Everything else that you do, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you become a billionaire. Doesn't matter if you struggle paycheck to paycheck for the rest of your life. As long as you love people and put others first, that's all that matters. I know a man, and and I don't want to say his name because I haven't asked his permission, and I don't even know him that well. But I, I do know this. I know what a huge impact he has made because my entire circle of friends from all different walks of life knows this one man. And he is not rich and he is not well-to-do and he is up there in years and he's still working a minimum wage job, but it's a job where he serves people. And in every walk of life, he has looked to serve people. And if I said the name, I guarantee that some of you out there right now would know him. I just don't feel comfortable doing it because I didn't ask him. History may never know that man's name, but I guarantee you in Southwest Missouri, in Springfield, Missouri, he has made a giant, humongous difference. All because he has a heart of Jesus, which is exactly what we should all strive for. I'll leave you with this, Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do it all for Jesus. Stay with us while we continue our worship. I'm going to pray for us quickly, and then we'll get started with that. Lord, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. God, we just ask that you help us to be more like you, to be more like your son, to have that desire in our heart to to have these core five things be a part of our everyday walk of life, to be compassionate and, and humble and meek and patient and, and to strive for those five things while we bear with one another and while we forgive one another for wrongs, understanding that we were forgiven by you and by Jesus for things that we never deserve forgiveness for. Because in the end, when we do those things together, God, we allow ourselves to make a difference in our world, which is hopefully exactly what we all want. And if there's anybody out there whose focus is not on that, is not on making a difference in our world for, for you, 
for positive change. God, I, I pray that you convict their heart right now and that you change their mindset so that they make the main thing the main thing. So that they make the most important thing number one in their lives. Which is to be a difference maker in our world by sharing the love of Christ that we have gotten to experience. And by walking every day through life in a way that, that has how can I serve and honor God? And how can I serve and honor others first in the forefront of our minds? God, we thank you for this day, for the ability to worship even though we can't be together. And we ask for all of the things that we spoke about in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. So
song to end our morning uh, this morning. Just remember that this week that um, God has come uh, for one reason, to change lives, to change who we are, um, to uh, make us more into what we were originally designed to be, which is uh, people who are following God and uh, following his laws, doing the things that he wants us to do. So all the traits that we talked about this morning, I pray that, that you would experience those this week. And maybe for the first time, um, some of you would say, man, I've had, I've had patience. I've, I've had love for others like I've, I haven't experienced before or not in a long time. So um, just uh, sing these songs this week and um, read the scripture this week and pray this week that God would continue that work in you. Um, and we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us. We love you guys. We want you to have a great week. Can't wait to see you. Looks like it's going to be the first Sunday in June, but... Uh, we'll come out with some more details here shortly. Have a great week.